Hello and welcome all to the Partnered Primary Care Research Podcast. Research for you, by you. A podcast dedicated to learning more about patient and community partners in patient-oriented primary care research in Canada. The Primary and Integrated Healthcare Innovations Network is proud to present this podcast with a focus on public representation in health. Join us to discover who our community partners are in our network and the people who work with them. Hi, and welcome to the Partnered Primary Care Research Podcast, research for you, by you. My name is Jillian Bartlett Esquilant, and I am the Executive Director of the Network Coordinating Office of the Primary and Integrated Healthcare Innovations Network. I am very pleased to have Empo Begin from Manitoba here today as our guest. Hi, Empo. Please tell us a little bit about yourself. Thank you for having me. My name is uh, Empo Begin, and I live in Winnipeg, Manitoba. I am originally from uh, Botswana and I've been in Canada for over 20 years now. I came here as an international student. I am now an engineer uh, working here for a medical device company. So you are the patient partner representative for the network in Manitoba. Tell us about why you decided to become a patient partner. That was by chance. I only been involved in patient-oriented research for years now. And I started at the time when I had an experience in healthcare. And I thought to myself, wow, that was not what I expected. And I wanted to learn more about the healthcare system. For me, because I came to Canada when I was 20 years old, I didn't know anything about the healthcare system. The healthcare system here is completely different back home in Botswana. I hardly went to the doctor unless I was sick. So some of the stuff that in Canada you go like uh, for yearly checkup or uh, for uh, immunization, that's something I, I didn't get to do while I was in, in Botswana. Only when after I came to Canada, they asked me, oh, did you get this shot? I, did, I didn't know anything about my medical history. So just going to the doctor was something that was completely new to me. About five years ago, when I was pregnant, I had a stillbirth when I was uh, 36 weeks pregnant. After I delivered the baby, I had uh, complications. I had uh, postpartum eclampsia, which is something that had happened uh, with my first pregnancy five years prior. But the, the difference was that uh, the first time, it was unexpected. And I was in the hospital for a long period of time, for over a month. And that kind of affected my memory because I don't remember everything that happened that time. But we knew that if I were to get pregnant again, there's a high chance that it could happen again. So when I got pregnant second time, we knew that there was a chance that it could come again. So soon enough, all the symptoms came back. I knew what to expect. I recognized the symptom. I went to the hospital. And then that kind of went on and on for three weeks where I go to the hospital, was given medication, come home, happen again, go to the hospital four times. You can't keep, keep piling medication on me all the time. You need to kind of figure out exactly what's going on and how you're going to stop this. Even though they knew exactly what was happening, the first time I was not officially given a, a diagnosis. So at first, I'm not leaving until you tell me exactly what is going on. That's when they went back to my first pregnancy and looked at my records. And that's when they diagnosed me with that postpartum eclampsia. Then I think the issue was that as after I was discharged, now I had a diagnosis and they gave me all the medication I need to be on. Post-discharge, now it was time for me to go and recover 
up uh, at home. That's where the health system started to notice that I was having trouble. Nurses, doctors were attentive. But then the minute I left and went home, officially discharged uh, for the last time, it felt like I was completely alone. I had a family doctor and he didn't know anything what was going with me all this time I was going to the hospital. I was referred to a specialist and say, okay, we should go see this, this specialist within a week uh, of being discharged. It shouldn't take long for us to transfer your medical history to them. They can look at your chart, at your chart and, and be up to speed. But then nothing came, not even a phone call. So I tried to call the, the specialist. And the first thing that struck me was that the receptionist was the one who was making the decision of when I can see the specialist. I said, well, I got a discharge here. It says I should go come and see the specialist within one week. I'm on this medication. It's starting to affect me. The specialist is supposed to give me a plan what I'm going to be doing the next three months. She says they haven't seen your, your chart. If you need to, if you need your medical assistance, go to the to to the emergency room. It's almost like a pre-canned response. Every time I call, she says I go to the emergency. So I'm at home. I'm on this medication that's starting to affect me. I'm calling my family doctor. They don't know anything. I ended up calling in the hospital for a long time. I kind of figured the, uh, how they do triage of uh, who was on call that day. I kind of figured who was on call. I called them, paged them from home. So I knew when my OB was on call. So I was able to page them or them call. And for a head to, because she was, she was not the one who prescribed my medication, she couldn't tell me what to do. So she had to figure out the, 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 the doctor who was on call who prescribed medication. She came back to meet him four hours later. In the meantime, she had said, I tried this, but I'm struggling with what I need to do. I have to record my blood pressure every three days. I have a logbook full of charts that nobody's looking at only because the specialist can't see me. It wasn't until a month later that I asked, I saw the specialist. And by that time, every time something happened, I'll page the women's hospital and stuff. And then can I oh, try to adjust this? And I was up for the whole month. By the time I saw the specialist, I was so mad that I was doing this by myself. Nobody's looking at me. I felt, especially when I was emotional. I haven't lost a child all that. So everything was just panning up that, okay, nobody doesn't care about me. I'm so alone. And yeah, just the emotional stress at the time. I went to, to follow up with the specialist after a month out of obligation. I was told to go there. I'm going to go just in case something happens. So that whole experience brought a uh, reflect. Why did the hospital not uh, telling my family doctor, they know it's my family doctor. Why are they not telling them? It was all disconnected, right? So I, I kind of felt like I was trying to juggle the health system by myself. Once you are out of the hospital, you are by yourself. So that's what motivated me to understand uh, the healthcare system a little bit more, understand how is it so disconnected. As an engineer, I deal with technology all the time. I keep saying, well, you know, technology can solve all this. Why is that healthcare not um, using technology to make all this collaboration easily. So that's kind of what got my interest to be able to understand the healthcare system a little better. I was going through that advertisement at the Manitoba School Unit at the time. They were looking to find a public patient advisor to join the exec executive council so that they can give uh, insight into the priorities for the health research that was happening here. So I did apply um, and uh, interviewed them and I, I got accepted. So there were two of us who got accepted. And it was also that time where they're trying to build that patient engagement. 
once I got into executive council, they say, oh yeah, but you know, we're starting this patient group, you know, uh, for patient engagement, I would be interested in joining. At the time, I didn't know anything about health research. So they kind of being involved in that patient engagement brought me to understand what health research is and uh, why patient partners are important. Once we formed this patient engagement group, uh, we got to meet all the stakeholders in health research in Manitoba and all the partners uh, with CHI. And that's when I got to meet Dr. Gay Hollis after that. That's really fascinating. I often think that for some of our patient partners, I wish I could take their story and make it the background to my grants. <laughs> it's like, I know you've got all this published literature, but really, this is why this question needs to be addressed. And I mean, you've touched on it all, the, the fragmentation, the lack of transfer of information, the fact that, you know, when you come out of the hospital, you might as well drop off a cliff into an abyss because there's mm-hmm. Nobody, everybody's like, oh, not my responsibility anymore. Sorry to hear that you had that experience, especially after the loss of a baby, right? On, on, mm-hmm. That that was such a terrible um, experience. I'm pleased that it brought you down this road because there's a lot of people that have really negative experiences and don't take that additional step to get involved and, and try and uh, be a voice and make a difference. Very happy you did that. Wish I could use your story. I did work in health informatics and your story is illustrates perfectly the issues mm-hmm. we have in the healthcare system. So can you reflect on some of the work that you're proud of that you did as a patient partner? You said you're involved with Manitoba. It could be one spore unit or with the picking network. So is there something you've done that you really enjoyed or are proud of? Yeah, it's only been four years, so I don't have a lot of experience, but I guess some of the projects I've done in the last four years, one, uh, the first one was uh, really forming this patient engagement uh, group in, Manito- in Manitoba for the sport network, just bring off the, the ground. I think that was really fun uh, to bring about, to define what that patient engagement means in health research and how researchers and patient partners can collaborate in research and bring patient partners as collaborators for their projects. Yeah, and also I've done uh, some work with the Data Sport Network. I was advice and counsel for that. Each province having their own data center for health research that are disconnected. So if I live in Manitoba and I want to do some research, I can only use data just from Manitoba. I can go access other data of outside province. So the Data Sport Network interconnect all this data across provinces. As a patient now, there's questions about access and privacy and security. How, how's that going to look like? As a patient partner, that's what my concerns were. And I can be be involved in in defining that. Yet another topic near and dear to my heart, the lack of ability to get consistent nationwide data. Mm -hmm. And so was there something else you wanted to add to that? I was going to say that the picking network here in Manitoba, they tend to really bring patient engagement in primary care research. I was working with Gail Hallas to come up with a strategy on how to go about that. So that's what I'm currently uh, working on with them. It's exciting to bring that patient uh, engagement into primary care health research. <laughs> and that is the thing, right? It is about primary care. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. I, uh, I love hearing other people say that because sometimes I feel a little bit like a broken record, but it's so important. And I don't think we've made really good strides in that direction in terms yeah. of concrete actions. So 
Given your pathway, and it's interesting that you're mentioning coming into a healthcare system that's very different from what you grew up with, and that in itself uh, provides a unique perspective. So I was wondering if you had any advice for someone else thinking of becoming a patient partner. And, you know, I do know that sometimes when people immigrate to Canada, they might feel a bit shy about this type of activity being really proactive in something like this. So what advice do you have? I'll say the, the experience for newcomers here is completely different. It takes a lot to trust, right? And I think most of them don't understand the healthcare system. I don't know whether most kind of falls into the health research themselves or the, the institution. I think there are the institu- health research institutions who need to be more proactive in collaborating or partnering with uh, grassroots uh, organizations that uh, cater to communities like me, you know, uh, newcomers who... Like, we might not even know what health research is. I inform them, this is what uh, the healthcare system looks like. This is what we do here. This is how it can help you. They might be skeptical, but you can paint a picture of what uh, having access to good healthcare means. I think they'll be more willing to open and trust. We came here to Canada for a better life, right? They can envision the future of what their kids, future kids' life would look like. They might be more willing to participate to make life better for their kids going forward. And that is a perspective that is incredibly important and that is usually missing. It's something we are still lagging behind and getting everybody's perspective and research. So I'm glad uh, that you could spend this time with us today. And I hope this encourages some people who might have thought that's not for me to reach out and consider doing this. I was wondering if you had a particular moment in your patient partner work that you were very touched by or that you were proud of? Every patient partner has a different story and they bring the different perspective. I think uh, taking all those stories that creates a picture that a patient is not one singular story. There's different kinds of patients. So I think that's a perspective that researchers can take into account when they do research. They need to broaden their horizon to bring all those different perspectives because that's going to impact the outcome and how their research is going to affect different people. Absolutely. Absolutely. What was a little bit behind our um, thinking for the podcast is getting the stories behind the faces and understanding the richness of information that the patient partners bring to the table and why having maybe just one is limiting because I have said this before, but every single podcast, I learn something new and I sort of take away something that will impact how I do research. And I would love nothing more than for all researchers to have that perspective and what I consider a resource. It's an incredible uh, privilege to be able to do that. So speaking of researchers, (laughs) do you have any message? You've been on this other side of the table from researchers. And I'm just wondering if you have any messages for those researchers who are considering doing this. Maybe they've been inspired by somebody else's story. Maybe they're inspired by your story. So any advice for them as they come very naively to the table to work with a patient partner? I would say patient partners can be intimidated by researchers. The researchers come with that notion of this is what I want, this is what I want to research, this is what I want to get from you. But to have that good collaboration between the research and the patient, I think they need to be on the same level and not enrich that power balance in between because then they can be talking about trust. So 
uh, having that trust between the researcher and the, and the patient partner, they can exchange more information. Yeah, you're correct in saying that we are trained to think we're the experts. And just because you're an expert does not mean you can't learn from others. And I think that a little bit of humility probably goes a long yeah. way. <laughs> I think sometimes researchers, when they see a patient, they only see a disease. They don't consider that I'm an engineer. I have lots of uh, additional knowledge. They don't see a person as a whole that got life outside the condition that they are living with. But I think taking that into account that we are here to give you insight about a condition, but we also have additional knowledge that you can use. No, that's but an I'm, excellent point. And, and mm -hmm. a lot of people, a lot of the patient partners have made it that they not only do they have their experience with the healthcare system and a health condition and whatever else, but there's also all these other skills and expertise that filter how you experience that, to see the person more than just a, a body part or a disease. And this is part of what we're trying to do in primary care research, right? Is like, okay, let's, mm -hmm. let's back up, get a bigger picture. So if, you're, if you treat your patient partner the same way you sort of treat a topic, you artificially narrow it and you miss out on a lot. So mm -hmm. others have definitely mentioned that. And yeah, as, as any of us that become a patient, it's like, wait, we've got, this is not our sole identity. <laughs> we have other roles in life and things that we can bring to the table. And one of the things I've certainly come to appreciate is how often the patient partners have a skill set that I would never have a chance to get as a researcher. And how it might bring innovation or help solve a problem or make a way to apply knowledge better. And engineering is definitely one of those areas. We need Maybe we need more engineers in healthcare. <laughs> so any final words for our audience? Yeah, I guess I can talk about diversity. That is really important. Even for me being here as a Black person, like I'm not representing all Black people. My experience is completely different from other Black people. For my experience coming here, I came as an internal, internal student. My experience being completely different from somebody who came, for instance, as a refugee. Their experience in the healthcare system will definitely be different from mine. Right? So I think diverse within different cultures also need to be considered as well. Absolutely. And right now in research and in the primary career world, people are finally waking up, maybe perhaps because of all the exposure on social media to mm -hmm. the issues we're having in society due to the fact that there's large swathes of populations that have been omitted from research. Mm -hmm. And then surprisingly, we're wondering why some of our evidence isn't working. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the diversity is critical and honestly, I feel that our patient partners are the ones that are going to help us solve that issue. How do we include groups that have been historically omitted, groups that might have very good reason to be mistrustful? How do we rebuild that, those relationships or establish them to begin with and create trust? Those are very important. We have, like primary care research in the healthcare system, we've got a ways to go, but I think we've started down the path and that's a good thing. All right, I want to thank you very much uh, for being with us today. Again, I learned something new, it was fascinating. Thank you for that. For those of you wondering how you can get involved as a patient or community partner, if you go to our website, spore-picky.com, that is S-P-O-R-P-I-H-C-I.com, on the landing page, there is a map. 
If you click on your province or territory, the links for that particular PICI network will appear. On their website, you should find more information on how to link with your local primary care research groups. At the bottom of the page, there's also a link under Get in Touch that will allow you to email us directly. This is the same page where you can find our previous podcasts and the podcast we've done today. I would like to thank our production staff, Anik Beaudry, Jamie Demore, and our own production patient partner, Kent Cadigan lofsgard Join us for our next episode for more voices from our patient and community partners where we're highlighting the active and engaging role they play in our patient-oriented research agenda for primary care. In other words, more research for you, by you. This podcast is brought to you by the Primary and Integrated Healthcare Innovations Network, otherwise known as the PICI Network, in collaboration with the Manitoba Strategy for Patient-Oriented Research PICI Network. Visit our website at sporepicky.com. That's S-P-O-R hyphen P-I-H-C-I dot com to learn more about our activities and upcoming events.